Welcome to the Happy Homeschooler podcast, a digital support group for everyone interested in a learning lifestyle. I'm your host, Jennifer. I'm your co-host, Holly. And I'm your co-host, Melody. Today, we'll be discussing Waldorf schooling with our longtime friend, Allison. But before we get to our interview, how's everybody been since last time? Holly, how have you been? I am deep into our new school year. And so it's been a challenge to, uh, you know, figure out again how to balance my working life and my homeschooling mm-hmm. life and my regular life, you know, making meals and running the household. Uh, but thankfully, my student is one year older and he is a little more independent and he has a lot more capabilities to um, to bring to the table. So this year he can do a few more chores. He just recently learned how to hand wash dishes, which is great because our dishwasher doesn't work. And <laughs> so I can give him a few more tasks. He is now folding all of his own laundry and putting it away. He can clean the litter box. So those challenges each year as we go on, um, they're getting easier because he's yeah. becoming more capable. So that's that's where we are. We're just trying to get back into the swing of school after having the summer off. What about you, Melody? Well, like you, homes, I'm not homeschooling, but the homeschool hybrid where I teach, we are going full steam. It's always that first few weeks in the beginning where everybody's figuring out everything and learning all the routines. See, when you've got a group of kids, you have to have a few more rules than you might at home. And everybody's adjusted so well. It's going really well. That's exciting. And then on the home front, we've been able to start moving forward with the house. You know, we still had some things that weren't finished. It's too hot in the summer to get a lot of things done. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) This summer especially. Such a hot summer. So my son-in-law recently came and installed a kitchen cabinet panel that we we've been waiting on. That's here. Got that finished up. So, you know, it just makes a huge difference when you're looking across your kitchen and there's not a gap in there. It's like, (laughs) oh, it's finished. And then all the trim is in now. And so we're about to start, you know, finishing up caulking and painting. You feel the end coming? Yes, I do. It's taken a while. <laughs> Nobody could do anything about all of that. And then, you know, yeah. all my kids working and doing it DIY and it's exciting. But of course, it also means that I've done some deep reorganization when I got a couple more shelves in a place. And then, then that means you rearrange here. So something else is, stuff is moving around. <laughs> a game of but, Tetris. <laughs> yes, it's, I love that anyway. Just getting rid of things too. It's like a, after another year, you realize I do not need this stuff. So out it goes. My trunk is full of stuff I need to go drop off. But anyway, uh, I feel like we're making progress and that's always good. <laughs> that's awesome. What about you? Right. What about you, Jennifer? Well, like you guys, we're back in school. So our co-op that I uh, help teach is going. And I think I've talked about before that I'm teaching the high school kids and we're doing a full a zombie apocalypse theme this oh, year. Yeah. And <laughs> I am, I had the whole class all, you know, planned out over the summer and was excited. But every time I like talk to the kids or give them a new assignment or anything like that, I come up with new ideas and I'm so excited. So (laughs) this week uh, I planned, I scheduled out a CPR first aid class for the kids to do. Uh, We are going to a foraging class because we're talking about like survival things and the whole class won't all be about survival, but there are some skills they're going to learn. So we're going to go do, take a foraging class. Uh, We're also learning how to ferment food 
Um, So, and I'm utilizing just like a whole bunch of people I know, like everybody I know, I'm like, "Hmm, what can you teach them about, you know? And so I'm starting to pull in a bunch of people to teach special things where I have a friend who's a building engineer. So he's going to come in and we're going to talk about, you know, building after the apocalypse and how we can build safety structures and things like that. And I have somebody who's going to teach them how to uh, find an old carburetor and make, you know, create energy and things like that. Oh. So I'm just like, I'm going off on a million tangents with this class, but I am, you just I'm just loving that it. And put it online for us to We'll see. We'll see how it all goes. I think, that, I mean, the kids are excited so far. Right now we're just at the beginnings of it. And, you know, there it's a lot of just pure zombie talk right now, which they're loving. And I don't think they've realized all the, uh, educational aspects that are coming from it you know and that's you okay with sneaky me teacher hopefully <laughs> hopefully they won't realize that too much <laughs> we'll just keep on going with the fun today on the podcast we're going to be talking with allison manzer she is a friend of all of ours we've all known her for quite a while we uh talked together at a uh homeschool program And she has a lot of experience with homeschooling herself, and she is a wonderful, fabulous teacher. Uh, She has experience with Waldorf schooling, which we're going to be talking about today. And she also uh, runs a nonprofit that I'd like to talk about later in the interview. Hi, Allison. Welcome to the show. Hi, everybody. Thanks for having me. We're so excited to talk to you today. Tell us a little bit about yourself. I think I'm going to go backwards. A lot of times I go backwards. But so um, currently um, I am very involved, as you said, with a nonprofit that works in India in education. And I've loved India since I was in college. So it's neat to see how that rabbit trail has evolved into doing this. I have three grown sons and uh, two grandchildren, one on the way. Yay! And um, I have continued to teach since we were all together, but in just different formats. It's like Mm -hmm. I can never do anything twice. So (laughs) last year, I taught a really neat online, like on Zoom class in in real time. And it was just um, kids whose moms had done taproot teaching, teacher training with me. They're teenagers, Mm -hmm. but it just came together really quick. It was on World War II on the home front. And so that's awesome. So were those homeschool students? Yeah. And what was really neat is that I had known their moms over the years and heard about them, but then I got to experience them and they were really amazing. And it was just a new, um, I think my teaching is always fairly student centered, but I even turned more over to them. And so it was just a really um, neat experience to kind of give them different roles to play in leading the class and and show up and do the class that way. So we read seven books. That was neat. And then in between, when we were all working together, well, Jen, you and I worked on the Giver class. I loved that so much. Yeah, and we'll probably get into some of these things. But then, and we can also talk, um, because I taught at Fusion Academy here in Austin Mm -hmm. for four years full-time, and that's a really interesting but that's kind of like, like a, a hybrid very homeschooling. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes. you know, it's it, we can talk if it's a question, but it's very yeah. it's one-on-one teaching and um, right. okay. set up very much like a homeschool relationship is between. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The tutorial uh, method of education. Right. There you go. Yes. Uh, very good. Yeah. What about um, your own homeschooling journey? I never really thought about it at all. But we lived in Irving, Texas. Um, my husband was teaching at a college there, and a lot of the parents were homeschooling. And I thought, I'm never going to do that. 
I and Sam, our oldest son, went to a really sweet little Montessori school. So I think that was part of my thought. Like, they'll just go to this Montessori school. Yeah. I, you know, you don't know. You, you know, mm-hmm. we were like, Sam was seven. So we moved to a new um, home in Lincoln, Nebraska. And Sam went across the street for a year to school and just was having kind of a hard time. So we said, instead of switching him uh, schools, let's try homeschooling. I think he we did that in fifth grade and sixth grade. I didn't know really anything, but I called a few people and I got some books. That's when you got this paper thing that came in the mail with all of them. <laughs> yes. 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 Mason, Karen Andrelia. <laughs> Am I going to say it right, Holly? Andreola. Yeah, and that just really inspired me. Mm-hmm. Um, so it sort of started with that, and I, I do believe that's always been a big part. And then Sam went to junior high, and he's he had an interesting – we moved again. But, yeah, and then his little brothers, I just homeschooled from the beginning, and I guess all the way through. Yeah. Where we all I think a lot us. of us yeah. start out as accidental homeschoolers. I think so too. You know, yeah. uh, only Melody, uh, you know, Melody's like, oh, I was never going to homeschool. Like, you had an yeah. advantage over me. So, yeah. um, what we so loved really, the- what got us was the flexibility. Yeah, and, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. We love that. And then just having lots of playtime and free time, which is very, you know, a Waldorf thing too. So, so when I met you, Allison, you were already at the academy, and you seem to really just work with high school students. Mm-hmm. But Waldorf education starts very early. Yeah. Can you tell us, like, what are the principles of Waldorf education? Because I know Rudolf Steiner's name, and uh, and what mm-hmm. I know about Waldorf people is they're very against technology for mm-hmm. young kids. But really, honestly, if I had, if somebody held a gun to me and said, what's Waldorf education? I'd be like, you can kill me I, now. Okay, I well, you're holding like, that gun now. Thank you. <laughs> but uh, I don't know. So I do better with stories, so I can tell you how I found out about it. And yeah. Then, yeah, that would be great. Got into it, and then, so I've never really had a comprehensive, so I want to have that disclaimer, like, I am not a Waldorf expert. What I say may really, really be foreign or seem weird to Waldorf-trained teachers, and particularly Waldorf school. But I can tell you what really resonated with me, and which I know I really did apply in our homeschooling, and in even those high school classes, for sure. Um, so Sam had, we had our first year, and then everything sounds kind of random, but I don't think it was. I. I had a friend who was having a educator come in and give a workshop and her name was Barbara Dewey. Barbara is now maybe 83, 84 years old, amazing woman. And this friend was um, bringing her in to talk about Waldorf homeschooling. So Barbara is kind of the matriarch of Waldorf homeschooling. She went um, and did her Waldorf training. She was like a trained teacher as like, she may have been, in her late fifties or sixties or something. She did it when she was older and she did specifically to work with homeschoolers. But I just got into Waldorf by kind of that weekend workshop. And I did something called form drawing um, again that I did with my kids, but I'm not super trained in, but it's a neat, um, all these things have come out in like brain research, right? Like doing Mm. this kind of form drawing and, understanding the pattern there and doing it slowly and walking it with your feet and drawing it with a stick. All those are very, very um, therapeutic activities. 
that people mm -hmm. are using now. But Steiner sort of intuited those things. So I did it and I'm like, whoa, this feels really good on my brain. And then I heard about the main lesson um, approach. So you may have heard about the main lesson approach, but I don't know what that is. So I think that would be one of the hallmarks of Walt. I would say if I were going to say for me, the the three things I would say about Waldorf that I grew to um, learn more about and put into practice in my host homeschooling were the main lesson approach. And this, this jives with the developmental understanding of the child. Okay. So the Waldorf curriculum, Rudolf Steiner formulated a progression and it's not written in stone and it can really be um, adapted and changed a little bit, but ideas of subjects that appealed to um, certain ages. Mm -hmm. So first grade, and there's overlap here with other um, pedagogies, but um, the, the subject is uh, in first grade, it's fairy tales and second grade, it's fables and saint stories and third grade, it's practical life. Fourth grade is animal. There's th okay. Norse myths and then fifth grade gets into like Greek myths and, get, and then you get in more into history. So you move from myth to history, kind of fairy tale, fable. Mm -hmm. Yeah, myth to history. So um and then the way that it's normally done is you just do um, one subject at a time. So you'll do four to six weeks of Norse myths. You know, you'll just do one of those main lesson subjects at a time. So you're not okay. doing six subjects a day. You're just kind of working. Oh, interesting. Yeah. That's very and opposite so of Charlotte Mason. Right. And so what I, I did oh, yeah. is I kind of created a hybrid and I never did the Waldorf math things. I did some geometric drawing and stuff, but I didn't teach math the way they do there. So I would do like Charlotte Mason math and spelling and, and those mechanical subjects. And then I would look for living books that matched up with the main lessons. Okay. So I sort of found books in, in Waldorf classroom. It's very transmitted through the teacher. The teacher tells the story, creates this beautiful chalkboard drawing. They write a summary that kids copy, and then they, they when they're older, they maybe write it together, and then they write it themselves. But mm -hmm. I mostly really, really have, I still have a high respect for that developmental progression because it just fits the kids. Yeah. But just like when you say, oh, we're doing Rome in sixth grade, it's like, yes. But to me, doing Rome, I don't know, when you're you know, seven, it doesn't, it's just not the same thing. I don't mm -hmm. know. I just felt it really progressed um, in a way that really fit my kids. They were always so excited. And then you can just find so many great books about those topics. So the books were more the teachers, but I matched up. So okay. that's a long-winded answer. So the main lesson <laughs> approach, the developmental progression. And then the last thing is the lively arts. So Steiner and then people who apply the the arts are really brought in as um, being very important, not extras. Okay. So painting, drawing, poetry, recitation, movement, modeling. Um, and is all way. of that is all of that fit in and covered within the main topic? You of... just I always try to incorporate that. Okay. Into the into the teaching or into okay. what the kids are doing, mm -hmm. or into, it goes even deeper than that. It's that, um, and I'm not an expert on Steiner, but I do think, and maybe you can all kind of see that this came through my teaching somehow, is that if if the feeling and the inspiration, you almost create mental pictures in the mind of the student, 
Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like it's called thinking in pictures. Okay. So so okay. um so that's why drawing or having some kind of um artistic rendition of something, but that creates an attachment to the subject. And it's an inspiration. Yeah. yeah. I agree. Yeah, it creates creativity. So the imagination is yeah, broadening. Yes. Yeah. Yes. In Charlotte Mason, uh, we're all about the children making connections. Yeah. You know, and so it sounds like um, that element is present in the Waldorf approach. Right. You're helping the kids to make connections. And Charlotte Mason, we don't make the connections for them. We right. don't get in between the student and the materials. But um, right. but it, making connections is a very important way that people cement their learning. Yeah. Conversations. It's not so, I don't know. I guess it's not my teaching style, but conversations, making connections. And particularly with older kids, connecting it to your own life. Yeah. You know, or connecting it to where we are now is really something that I think is good. I'll stop for a second because I can go on and on. So <laughs> typically, <laughs> that's funny. Before that's we right. came on the call, I told my husband I was talking to you, and he's like, "You guys are going to be on there a long time." <laughs> yeah, but we have to behave ourselves. I was going to ask. So you've mentioned that you used a lot of these ideas in your high school level classes. So is is the Waldorf approach typically used all the way from early childhood through high school? Yeah, there are Waldorf high schools. Okay. Um, I didn't follow. I, I really actually don't know what subjects are taught when in high school. Mm-hmm. When um, I did my first academic clubs over here at the house, we did um, um, World War II and U.S. history. And that's kind of, I know those those topics come in, but I'm not sure when. Mm-hmm. It's when you get past like the sixth grade that you you kind of get into some some of the um, subjects I taught. But I okay. know, yeah, there's a Waldorf school right by my house, um, but I have not interacted with it. So it was really Barbara, and Barbara came from an unschooling um, background as well. That's true. Yeah, and That's she lived me, yeah. it. She embodied it. Like she's a gardener. She can do so many things with her hands. She, um, so she kind of just embodies the qualities that instead of like this picture perfect, perfect Waldorf. And I met Jean okay. through Art of Hearts, Art of Homeschooling through Barbara. And so I was going to ask as an unschooler, like, are the, do the kids get a chance in Waldorf schooling to follow things they're interested in? Um, well, I can't speak for Waldorf schools, but in well, we always emphasize that at Taproot. Like, okay, when you create your block plan, um, make some room to to really look at your own child. Don't just follow it rigidly. Right. Okay. You know? So there's yeah. there's an openness to it that you yeah, can do definitely. that. Yeah, definitely. Okay. One thing that really, um, and I think Holly Charlotte Mason would would resonate here is like rhythm is really one of the things that Waldorf emphasizes for human beings, like human beings are healthy, grounded, can concentrate and all that when you have kind of a rhythm that kids can sink into. Okay. And not that you don't mix it up. Right. Um, but, but that rhythm, that rhythmical kind of idea of, you know, we'll do our, like we always had the math and the spelling and then took a break and then sat mm-hmm. around in the living room and did the okay. main lesson. And then the afternoon you play that kind of, Rhythm um, mm-hmm. is very important in terms of um, just, yeah, the, I guess the stability of everyone. Yeah. 
So yeah, um, I think you find that in most you know approaches yeah. that there it's there's something orderly about it. If you're in a classical mm-hmm. education mode or Charlotte Mason or even um, you know Jen I, for unschooling, I'm sure you had. Oh yeah. I think even for us, we have a more of a, not so much a daily rhythm, but more of a, like a weekly rhythm that we have. And it, and it is the same, like comforting and, and it, it gives them some safety in knowing what, what's happening generally. (laughs) And then you need those surprises and those, you know, things. Um, I did want to mention before we get into Taproot, because this is a big thing that I brought to Taproot when I, um, when I speak, I went as a um, attendee for many years. And then I started being a presenter there. Um, but another big thing that I combined with sort of those Waldorf ideas around uh, main lesson and arts and so forth. And this is where I think you guys, I, I crossed paths with you, was a book called Live It and Learn It, the Academic Club Methodology for mm. Students with Learning Disabilities and mm-hmm. ADHD. And it's by Sally Smith. And that book was really life changing for me. Um, because she talked about creating an atmosphere, Charlotte Mason, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. and a kind of dramatic underpinning to things that students, she, in her study, she showed kids with all kinds of disabilities retained and learned as much as more com- students being taught in more conventional ways, but they just did it differently by yeah. playing games and acting things right. out and right. dramatizing things. Right. And so the classes I've always taught sort of have that feel, but yeah. age appropriate. And, right. and um, then just kind of bringing some of those, that I guess that foundation of Waldorf was kind of easy to translate into that, but much mm-hmm. more, it's not, it wasn't theoretical. It was like, how do yeah. we create? And then also the student buy-in, right? Like you have a goal. We're going to do all right. 100 objects, you know? Right. So I loved that, that class, kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, that, that thing. That So Waldorf is a part of things, Charlotte Mason, and definitely this academic club methodology for classroom teaching was a big thing for me. Yeah, I think that, you know, uh, the what you're telling us uh, about the Waldorf principles that you used, it fits in with a lot of science today that shows that the things that make an impact on us, they use a lot of our senses. Yes. And so uh-huh. um, like when I was in elementary school, I was in um, accelerated classes and we studied Japan and we kind of did what you're explaining where, you know, we focused on one thing, a main thing, and we learned, you know, Japanese food and everything, we, uh, mm-hmm. made Japanese yeah. murals. We listened to Japanese yeah. music like I that was in fourth grade. Y'all, I'm 60 years old. I'm a yeah. long way from fourth yeah. grade. But in my mind, I can still see the murals we painted on the wall. We learned right. Japanese, right. everything. Yeah. It was so impactful because so many of our senses were um, touched by what we learned. Yes. And it sounds like that's a big part of Waldorf. Is that, is that correct? Yeah. And actually, that's a good segue into the whole taproot question. And also, yeah, I think there's a lot of brain things that are showing up in some of, some of the things that Steiner thought of. And then another thing is the that really meant a lot to me at the time, um, just with my particular learners, um, was that it, early reading and stuff was not emphasized at all. Mm-hmm. And particularly with Barbara, but even in Waldorf, it's not emphasized till nine or third grade or something, at least the way it used to be. Yeah. But um, Barbara, 
in particular. And not that you sometimes, you know, my youngest son did need some interventions with reading, but not that sense of like, you're going to sit in a desk all day and learn to read by the time you're five. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. I'm glad you're bringing that up because that's one of the questions I get asked a lot by newer homeschoolers is, you know, my child's not reading yet. My child's not reading. And they're all so worried about Mm -hmm. it. And, Mm -hmm. and I think most of us who've been doing this a long time know that that doesn't need to be an emphasis and that for most children who don't have any learning disabilities or, or special needs that, that you don't need to worry so much about that. <laughs> they, and, they pick it up. It will happen they, later yeah. when they're ready, when they're developmentally ready, it will start happening. Yeah. That's and even if you do need to, it takes the fear around it. It takes the yes. stigma around it. It's mm-hmm. like, it's not great for kids. We're waiting. We're, we're doing lots of movement. We're making sure right. we get outside. And mm-hmm. I did really appreciate that about Steiner's understanding of kids. And yeah, it's um, more like you, they, they understand, um, a lot of these different methodologies understand that what is really beneficial to kids isn't the academic part at all, that that's going to come later mm-hmm. and that you want to feed their, their little bodies with the movement. Right. You want to feed their minds with, you know, these heroic tales. Exposure. And yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. yeah. Because most kids by fifth grade are reading just right. in general, you know, it's mm-hmm. like, Right. Like Jennifer said, it's developmental. You can't force readiness. You want to show them, you want to model for them why they would even want to read, right? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yes. yes. Yeah. But I think a lot of parents don't know what to do instead. Like they're still working on this language. It's not clicking. And then they don't know what to do. You can't keep banging on that because it's not going to yeah. be effective. And so with like the things you're talking about, when they're encouraged, like, yes, go outside, let's do nature studies or art or some dramatic experiences like that. Like there are plenty of things to do yeah. other than drill and kill over here on these phonics. Yes. But um, I think that's where some of the panic comes in. Like I'm yeah. doing my curriculum and it's not working, quote unquote. But, um, and then the retelling just... thing is so <laughs> The retelling is a big part of all yes. Yes. Oh, yes. But they would yeah. say the main lesson is you're retelling. So you did the fairy tale, uh, the six swans, and you're retelling it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you might dictate that or the teacher might write it so you can copy it or you might just retell it but being able to verbalize things you know for a few years before you're actually writing or you know all of that Mm -hmm. I think Mm -hmm. is amazing the happy homeschooler podcast is sponsored by transcript maker the online service that allows you to create professional high school transcripts from the comfort of your own home Fall is here, and for homeschooling parents, that means you just got a whole lot busier. That's so true. But with Transcript Maker, you can save tons of valuable time this fall. Instead of hours of laborious calculations for a handwritten transcript, just plug your courses and grades into the template, and the GPA appears just like magic. Homeschooling parents often struggle with piles of papers. They just build up. With Transcript Maker, you can reduce some of that paper. Your transcripts are held in the cloud, safe and sound and easy to access whenever and wherever. With co-ops, academies, and extracurriculars in swing, a lot of homeschoolers find their budget a little tighter these days. Good news! Transcript Maker offers a 14-day free trial, so you can give it a test drive and see how you like it. And for our listeners, you can get 20% off the cost of your subscription with our exclusive coupon code, HAPPY. That's H-A-P-P-Y in all caps. Make your fall semester easier for yourself. Go to www.transcriptmaker.com today. Transcript Maker. Simply better transcripts. You can 
gauge how much the student has taken away from what you taught them. We use narration. That's a big part of Charlotte Mason. And I had a delayed reader and he was able to feel successful because everybody had to narrate. Yep. You know, so it it also levels the playing field for those children who aren't reading at that time. Right. That's great. I love that. Yeah. So Taproot is a Waldorf teacher training that's been going on in the summers for homeschooling parents. But honestly, a lot of um, like we had a school from an indigenous reserve in Canada bring all their teachers. Sometimes it's small oh, wow. school teachers. Okay. You know? And it's a beautiful experience. It's, it's kind of a retreat. It's evolved over the years. It used to be on Barbara's farm. And it used to be very rustic. So we all have stories um, <laughs> old timers of the solar showers and the composting toilets and all that. And then um, now uh, Jean reserves um, a camp um, Asbury in Ohio and people fly out and stay the weekend. But it's very experiential. So okay. there's an opportunity to do a lot of handwork, which is also emphasized in Waldorf and um, yeah. learn to paint and do the thing, actually do the things as a parent and experience mm-hmm. it. And I think this is, I don't know if you're looking at winding up a little bit, but this is a cool way to sort of come for a circle with the census comment because um, Jean and I, I've done older kids there a lot. And a lot of times we present doing a main lesson around one book and we've chosen different books over the years. And um, now we've started making guides that are on her website called Book Heart Guides. And it's, it's about having this kind of warm imagination and just letting a story nourish your homeschooling for a month and the things you can do and education Mm -hmm. happens, learning happens. Okay. So you're just kind of immerse yourself in the book. Yeah. You you could look at one of the guides, but what we do is we try to give ideas around incorporating all the lively arts in the, Mm -hmm. with the book, like three ideas. We give some great, great conversation starters, but the foundational underlying where the ideas come from is we've come up with these anchor points about teaching stories. Mm-hmm. And so our anchor points are, there's five of them. And one is just story itself. Why is story something like forever? Human beings have responded to stories, mm-hmm. right? And, mm-hmm. and how this is the stories we love, the stories that inspire us, the stories that challenge us are part of like who we become as people. Right. So self. And then senses is a big one. How does this story, how can we kind of, look at the sensory aspects of this story and experience them. And teaching to your child's strengths is our fourth one, that if you often go toward a strength, something your child's excited about, mm-hmm. sometimes that'll go to the, the thing that you feel is weak, right? Like if they're so excited about something and they want to write about it, then maybe that addresses some things that you feel they need to work on. Yeah. But if you're always going toward the weakness and Waldorf, really kind of get you messed up with like doing that it's like just how awful that would be if every day you start mm-hmm. and you just have to be focusing <laughs> on your weakness you know so, yeah so we talk about that and then the last thing and I think that really captures a lot is like an experience that sharing somehow sharing having a club you guys I had the dinners over here and stuff like yeah the sharing and then discussing the story and having these experiences then you remember it like Holly says she now remembers it from fourth mm-hmm. grade and so when you think about the things that you remember from your education I guess that's kind of what we're going for with these book art guides you know, yeah make it 
something really worth doing on many levels and memorable. I love that. So do you have, do you have them for different age levels? Um, we have a few, we've just done a few and we have a lot of things we've done over the years that we might convert to them, but we have a few for like, what are we saying? I forget the ages two through grades two through five or something like that. And then like middle school to high school. Mm-hmm. We have some great books. We just did a book called The Single Shard. We did a book, a couple of books set in the Depression this past spring. Um, we did a book called Coup. You can find them on there um, on our website. Or I can send you the link, but they're really, they're yeah, really good. Great they're if you just, would provide yeah. those uh, those informations for us in the yeah. chat so we can be sure to put them in the show notes. So, Allison, I'm curious if somebody says, you know, I've heard of Waldorf. I'm going to homeschool my kids. Where do I start? Mm. What would you say? What Where do they start with that? So the way I learned about kind of just the top, I mean, I, it was so bare bones, right? Like you do something in Waldorf, like circle time. And I actually miss those days. Like you just found a few poems and maybe a song and, you know, and you did it. It was simple. And, yeah. yeah. And then... um <laughs> found a few fairy tales to read and did a few art projects, you know, so I started, Barbara had the simple book, Get Started with Waldorf. Um, ah. And it just laid out the topics for the main lesson. And I guess I like to have things be my own. I don't, so. Just, yeah. Yeah. So doing it that way, <laughs> Jean has a lot of information on her website, Art of Homeschooling. It's funny when I was thinking like, when I was going to do this, like, do I have any books on Waldorf? And I really <laughs> didn't read a lot of books on Waldorf. I use Barbara's books. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's Waldorf without walls, which hers are like little eBooks now. Um, and they're very good. They're very basic and straightforward. And um, so I don't have a lot of books or have not read a lot of books on Waldorf education. That being said, Jean and I did do a series on, Steiner's lectures, but I don't know if I would start with that. Yeah, we had a more theoretical, I think we did a blog post or something she would do. Yeah, something back in the day. There are wonderful books on Waldorf, and a lot of them are written from the school perspective. Mm-hmm. Right. And so I feel like Jean and Barbara, Art of Homeschooling and um, uh, Waldorf Without Walls, translate it for homeschoolers. And Jean called her website now Art of Homeschooling, which used to be called Waldorf Inspired Homeschooling, because she wants it to reach just the principles, reach a broader community. Yeah, I think that's great. I think it's great that you're telling us how you use principles, but did your own thing with them, because that's so key to successful homeschooling, I think, no matter what style of homeschooling you're doing. I agree. At least that's the way I like to do things, (laughs) or did. (laughs) And I also can't do the same thing twice. So yeah. I can't do the same thing twice. It's just like it's done. Like I don't know. I can't. I can't do, I can't do it twice. So I've never done well, anything twice. I don't write things up and save them. Yeah, um, I think you're saying like just what you said about getting the kids excited. It's the same thing as a teacher. I think when you're a good teacher, you need to be excited about what you're teaching, and mm-hmm. and it's easier if it's new. <laughs> yeah, and I guess just and I was thinking one thing I would say like. That was important to me and is still important to me in my, both my own personal reading and my work in India and and teaching last year is is themes. I'm always really interested in themes. Like yeah. what are the main themes? What 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 are these things really? I, I'm not into busy work. Yeah. And, and meaningful themes that connect to our lives is like mm-hmm. a big thing for me. So one thing we all tried to glean from those books we did last year was um 
how did these people in World War II have certainty in uncertain times? Like, what did they do to cope? Mm -hmm. What got them through? And it was just incredible to really reflect on that and see how we could also. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's, that's kind of what keeps me going. Have you used any of your Waldorf principles with your grandchildren? Like they come over? Are you, oh, very. Are you doing anything? <laughs> Let's see who's listening. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, my, my daughter-in-law is going to, says so she wants to homeschool. And so I'm just letting, kind of watching Exciting. that. But, um, and Was I she homeschool? No. And, and okay. she's very aware of Charlotte Mason. Uh, less of Waldorf, but what I see happening just by watching them is then they're three in one. They she does so much time in nature with them and so many hands on things, and Aww. that's they're very very engaged. And yeah. I there's different thoughts about media, but I I really think in technology, but I really think there's you can go too far and get too rigid and definitely get too mm-hmm. judgmental and severe. Mm-hmm. But there's an element in Waldorf that you know it makes a lot of sense. I had a friend who sent her kids to Walter for a bit, but um, I think it was too pricey or something. So she started homeschooling them. And sometimes I would have them at my house because she also had to work. We weren't as restrictive on screens. We've, we have restrictions on them, but we, we do watch TV and things like that. And sometimes we eat things with sugar in them, you know, and <laughs> I caught one of her kids like eating sugar out of a sugar bowl and like, trying there to, you go. to watch <laughs> the TV. That's... And I thought... Uh, it's too strict. I, I think that's a great analogy for all of this stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Pedagogies, technology. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we're working with you real, know. real people. Our children yeah. are real people. And, right. you know, idealism is great, but then we've got to transfer it into practicality. And also age. And flexibility. Sure. And mm-hmm. there's so many resources and things for teenagers, as you know. Yes. That you need that are just great and yes on them and so um but i want to say as you are all always hosting this and melody i know you have i had less interaction but you two were right. great supporters and encouragers and sounding boards and sources of wisdom for me too so you re- i really got my start teaching publicly with you all i oh, never really before and i was just well i guess i'd done it at sea academy a little bit Mm-hmm. But it felt mm-hmm. a lot more official, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, because they were older kids and they needed yeah. grades and they needed comments and you know, they Yeah. So thank you for giving me the opportunity. Because it's been oh, part of my growth. It was I such a pleasure. With you. My yeah. children loved working with you. Uh I have such great memories of all that time together. Before we go, can you tell us a little bit about your nonprofit? Oh yeah, I'd love to. So um my nonprofit is Little Angel Service Team. Um, and I'm involved with a, a all volunteer team. All of us keep it up and running. Um, and it supports the education of four children in India. And it's a sponsorship program, but also people donate just generally to help us sustain it. And we have it started in with our priest in India when he he was living there and working there, and he wanted the local people to do something to help some of the mm-hmm. poor children there. And they started with just two people and two students. And then uh, years later, through some U.S. contacts, came over and they had like 10 students. And when I went the first time, I wasn't involved. And I think there were about, at the most, 40. But I saw it. Mm-hmm. And and when I was there, 
it came, uh, the situation of the teachers there in the local villages came to our awareness, the group. And um, so we learned the teachers were making about $65 a month. And so Incredible. we support our students with a $300 a year sponsorship toward their education. And our teachers, um, we started with 12 teachers. Now we have 29 and they help. Wow. Basically, it's kind of a neat I think it is somehow related to homeschooling. So the teachers yeah. are like our hands and feet on the ground with our sponsored students. Mm-hmm. So they help them write their letters and they help. So we don't have paid administration in either place, mm-hmm. but that's part of the uh, agreement that the teachers will help us. So they get $50 a month as a wage bonus. So now we have 132 students, I think, and wow. 29 teachers. That's and we wonderful. don't want to grow much bigger, but it is... Um, Really neat to see the way education truly does have the power to change lives in a very here, you know, concrete way. That yeah, we're starting so, to get graduates that are so inspiring and making, um, helping to support their families. So I think we have about ten graduates now. A question about so I, and correct me if I'm wrong, but there's not really public education in India. Like they have to pay to go to school. Is that correct? No, there is no. public education, and okay. um, and I'm learning a lot. I've been involved for five years. So there's government schools, and um, and I've read a book on this. Um, in in developing countries, often, even if the parents are very poor, they will often pay for the student to go to a, a private school because government schools oh. can be really really huge, and mm-hmm. there's some um, there are issues. Right. Okay. With teachers, class sizes, investment, all kinds of things going on. And there are very good government schools, too. Mm-hmm. And there's a level of government school that actually several of our kids have um, tested into and get full board and everything. And those are really good. So it's not across the board, but the mm. the private schools that um, our kids go to um, are mostly for mostly for children. The teachers are not paid, but their parents want them to be there. Now, we also the sponsorship goes to kids in public school too, because there are costs like uniforms, backpacks. So sure. uh, And it's only for part because we're a little different. Um, The parents are invested too. That sounds good because people aren't, sometimes when things are just given to you, you don't appreciate it as much as if you have a little skin in the game. Yeah. That's, that's, that's what, yeah. And the, the wage bonuses, you know, they are helping, they're earning their $50 a month. from Right by helping us and by staying where they are and they reach this teachers. It's another part of our mission because, you know, a teacher there, there may be 60 kids in the class all day, you know, they're mm-hmm. reaching hundreds of kids. Yeah. We have our hundred sponsored kids, but our, our sponsored teachers are reaching hundreds, you know, close wow. to a thousand kids. And so that way that expands our reach because they're not, they're staying in the same place and that kind of stability is really. Yeah. Where, so yeah, and it's just been such a great, you know, that curiosity and history and all that being right. going to India and all of that. I just, <laughs> I feel like a homeschooler who got to design her <laughs> lesson. Yeah. We're always <laughs> So, Allison, when we have guests on the show, we always ask them to tell us something that people would be uh, surprised to find out about them or tell us about a hobby or something they have a real passion for. So can you share um, with us something that people would find surprising about you or some hobby that you have a passion for? Well, I like to dance, so I will bust out the dance moves. I've danced with you in your kitchen. so I 
So my, I don't know if this is a hobby or a goal, but people don't know that I used to ski and I grew up in Wisconsin. So I used to mm-hmm. ski and ski and ski uh, every weekend when I was in high school. And it just fell out of my life. When yeah. I went and went on our honeymoon, we went skiing. And I've been one time since. I think. Wow. And, oh. and something about is, is and now with I, I'm saying this, so I have to do it, but I've even it's looked at like, ski yes. <laughs> workouts for seniors and all that. But I want to get back into skiing. I don't know what that's going to look like, but I do have the workout. <laughs> Our anniversary is in January. And I really want, he tries to go skiing once a year and I want to, I want to at least try it again and maybe oh, discover I hear about that it. <laughs> because, you know, Waldorf and all the movement and everything, I realized that like, there's a lot of sports I hate and a lot of exercise I hate, but I always liked gliding things. Like I love yeah. skating and skiing oh, okay. and skateboarding. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I need to do it. Yeah. I, need to, I need to do it. So, and now I said it. <laughs> Yeah, because no one really knows that except Rob. Everyone knows now. (laughs) So thank you for having me. And I was really nervous and I'm like, what am I going to say? But then once I get started, I can't stop. So I know we could talk a lot longer. We we need to have you back for another topic. We'll make up one. Okay. (laughs) Educators having a conversation. It's kind of hard to end it. Yeah. Well, thank you again. And I really appreciate it. Okay, well, we'll talk to you later. We love you. Bye, everybody. Here at the end of our show, we like to answer a big question. Holly, what's our big question for the day? Well, today's question is from Kay, who says, we left the public school and can't go back to brick and mortar schools. What is the difference between online public school and homeschooling? Is there any? Now, come on, ladies. I know you have some comments. Huge difference. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So online public school is is just what it says. It's public school. You're at home, but you're in front of a computer all day. You're held to all the same standards, uh, testing, attendance, Attendance. uh, assignments, grading, all of it. It's all the same. You're just doing it in your house. And for some people, right. And for some people that works, however, there's a lot of limitations in that. There is no flexibility Mm -hmm. of schedule or there's no freedom to decide what you're studying or when you're studying or how you're studying. Yeah. I used to tutor a girl who did K-12. Her parents enrolled her in it, but they weren't available to help her. And you do have a teacher but, you know, com- completing the assignments, a lot of it, the student is on their own. Yeah. So I help, like, walk her through things. And, yeah, she was required to uh, log so many hours. And mm-hmm. she had to take the, um, you know, the standardized testing. And they were doing it because they wanted her to return to a brick-and-mortar school. Mm-hmm. But I think that a lot of people, you know, they... It is schooling at home. It's not homeschooling. Right. And right. so um, the thing is, is that the kids who are schooling at home with K-12 or Connections Academy or any of the public online schools, what they're missing out on is social activities. And I yes. don't think that those online public schools provide anything for them. So yeah. we see them joining a lot of the homeschooling Facebook groups, looking mm-hmm. for those social activities, the extracurriculars, the right. meetings and all. And um, 
The problem is that uh, people who are homeschooling without the benefit of an online academy can do things during the day when your child might not be able to participate. Yeah. Uh, so one of the one of the things I would advise if you are using an online public academy is that you're going to have to look for social activities for your child the way that anyone whose kid is in public school during yes. the day. You know, you're exactly. going to look for scouts or 4-H mm-hmm. or church groups, church mm-hmm. groups after school. or, after, you know, um, karate, or mm-hmm. dance, weekend sports. Things. Yeah. 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 You're, you're probably not going to be able to jive with the schedules of people who are meeting at 10 a.m. for park day on Wednesday morning. Right. Uh, that's right. probably going to be kind of hard for you. But it's Or a great for field step. trips, too. I mean, you can't really yeah. take days off of school for field trips yeah. and things like that. Yeah. But, you know, if you if you can't quite commit to teaching your child yourself and you need some transition time, having them out of that pressure cooker atmosphere of a brick and mortar school by having them do online public school is probably a nice step to get started. Mm-hmm. You know, I think a lot of people, they do that. It's kind of like uh, what we saw in COVID, right? Uh, They had school at home, online, virtual school, and people were like, "Mm, I want some freedom. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I think it's 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 probably a temporary step. People also mistakenly thought that was what homeschooling is. And I do think some people who are new to homeschooling and are pulling their kids out of public school do mistakenly think that online public school is homeschooling mm-hmm. and they're just very different things. Yeah. Yeah. It's the school at home versus the homeschooling. Sure. So, uh, but still sometimes that's the best option that people have and I'm glad it's there for them. Mm-hmm. Before we go, we want to leave you with a few reminders. The next SAT testing date is October 7th. The late registration for that test is September 26th. And if that's too close, you can register for the November 4th SAT by October 5th. That's a lot of dates, so I hope you are writing it down. If you want to support us here and help us grow, it'd be great if you'd help new people find our show by leaving us a five-star review and sharing it on social media. Remember that you can get 20% off the cost of your Transcript Maker subscription with the code HAPPY. That's H-A-P-P-Y in all caps. If you have any questions or comments, you can email us at happyhomeschoolpod at gmail.com. And you can find us on Facebook and Instagram at happyhomeschoolpod. If you want to learn more about anything we discussed today, we publish our show notes on Facebook after every new episode. Next episode, we'll be discussing meal planning for homeschoolers. Thank you for joining us today. I'm Jennifer. I'm Holly. And I'm Melody. Happy Happy homeschooling. homeschooling. Hi, this is your host, Jennifer Jones. Thank you for listening to the Happy Homeschooler podcast, a transcript maker production. My co-hosts are Holly Williams-Urbach and Melody Gillum. This podcast was produced by Matthew Bass and edited by Nora Williams. Our graphic design is by Pete Soloway and our music is by The Great Pangolin. You can find more of her work on YouTube and Twitter at Kylie Wins. That's K-A-I-L-E-Y Wins. If you'd like to help our podcast grow, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Or, as always, tell people about us. How's everybody been since last time? Well, we've I been... <laughs> I, I say, do I, I think I go next. Okay. okay. Today yeah, on the podcast, like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I'm thinking. Here's Alex. Podcast. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <man. laughs>
<laughs> okay, sorry. 